David Tice grew up in South Texas and lived in Spain and Mexico before he moved to Houston in 1984 to study in the University of Houston Creative Writing Program. He began publishing journalism in Houston City Magazine, The Houstonian, The Texas Observer, Texas Monthly, and numerous other publications. In 1989, Tice became a staff writer for the Houston Press, where for five years he wrote news features and film reviews. In 2002, his novel, Rio Ganges, was published by Windale Press. Tice currently teaches and writes and is at work on a second novel. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thanks, thanks for having me. Seeing as this is a part of our literary tourist series, who are the most famous authors to have come from Houston? Well, Donald Barthelmay was probably uh, the number one name. He grew up here, went away to New York, and then came back helped start the creative writing program. Um, some of his writing is set in Houston. He wrote a lot of short stories, didn't he? Almost exclusively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he had actually, I think there was five brothers and they're all writers, so they all grew up here. Frederick Barthelme is pretty well known. Also, there's an excellent poet named Vassar Miller who was nominated at one point for a Pulitzer Prize, who wrote the sort of very striking devotional religious poetry mostly. She was disabled with uh, MS, and so it was very like restricted to a wheelchair. She wrote these incredible poems. Larry McMurtry didn't grow up here, Vassar Miller did, but he came here to study at Rice. I grew up out in West Texas, and he uh, seems to have fallen in love pretty much with Houston when he was here at Rice, and was often called it his favorite Texas city, and he set several of his novels, like Terms of Endearment, going places. Now Horton Foote, the playwright, grew up not far from here and wrote a little bit about Houston, and the alley, he had a relationship with the Alley Theatre here. Now, I should mention, before we proceed any further, that you are the author of Literary Houston. Right. So, what was your objective, then, in writing this book? Well, as a, a writer living in Houston, I did really feel like Houston was underrepresented. Like, I'd look at the local interest bookshelves here at bookstores, and there'd be nothing but picture books about Houston. And I was like, why aren't there any books about Houston? It's yeah. a big city, and there's a lot going on here. And so I got the idea of putting together an anthology like this. So really, I, I mean, I edited it more than I wrote it. You chose? I, I put it, I assembled it, whatever. Whatever, I'd read something about Houston in some book, I'd think, well, that'd be a nice little excerpt in an anthology. I'd kind of make a mental note of it. Yeah. And I just did that for a number of years, and then I kind of got more active about it. Like, I'd go to books, I thought, well, maybe there's something about Houston in here, and I'd look it up in the index, and there'd be a few pages. And so after a while, I had a pretty good reading list, and I approached some uh, publishers, including TCU Press, and they said yes. This is part of a series, actually. They're doing a series on yes. uh, Texas cities. So who is your audience, then? Who did you write it for? Well, mostly for myself. <laughs> I thought that there would be an appetite in Houston for a kind of more realistic and perhaps sophisticated portrait of the city than is out there. Houston's generally been sort of a city in search of an identity. And I thought I could sort of put in my two cents along toward that quest. Because, you know, in a way, we don't, we don't really know who we are. Are we cowboys or are we astronauts? Swamp or desert? What conclusions did you come to? Um, well, the nearest thing I could come to an overriding, and this is not something that would be exclusive to Houston. You could probably say it about a lot of places. And the pieces I put together, one thing I noticed is there weren't a lot of pieces that we would call contemplations, sort of inward looking, that you know, Houston is really is a city of people who are doing things and strivers. That's what I found. I included quite a few stories, like when LBJ is a young man as a high school teacher, just people who didn't necessarily wind up staying in Houston, 
but there was some part in their lives where they made an extraordinary effort to do something, whether it's build a medical center or build a medieval collection. And so that was what I took away. Is it, but it was also sort of a city of stories as opposed to contemplations. What do you think would be a city of contemplations then? I don't know, maybe Venice would be a city of contemplations. <laughs> That's what I say. No, I don't. I wouldn't think that that was a statement that you could make about a lot of other cities. Right. When, I, when I looked at what I put together, I saw, you know, there's really not many people sit, kind of sitting around just thinking. Reflecting on Reflecting, our, our right. human condition. Right. Or, I think I said somewhere that Houston seems to have inspired fewer contemplations per capita. So what then? How, what does that tell you about the city itself and the people in the city then? Well, I think that it's still basically a young city, uh, sort of end of adolescence city. It's always been rushing into the future. That's one of the things that I talk about some is that uh, there's very little thought about historical preservation. The slate keeps being wiped clean. Yeah, in fact, even with the uh, bookstores here, there aren't any that go back right. uh, that many years. It'd be hard to find a restaurant that goes back very far or a bookstore. Houston's been accused of being an amnesiac city. If we're famous for anything, probably in the United States is for sort of a lack of historical interest, really. But when I, when I put the book together, I thought, well, you know, we were founded at the site of a battle and got moon launches and everything else. We have pretty much as much history as the next next guy because it's a bus very business-oriented. What, what are the main industries? It's space, Energy, oil, yeah. And uh, medical. Medical is actually the biggest now. One of the things that I reflected on when I uh, made the decision to come down was that Christopher Hitchens had died here. Right, exactly. And there was a there's an emotional attachment here that may, that may be superficial, but it's real for me. Right. And it, just being here and seeing that center, that's what literary tourism is to some extent about. That, that's true. And uh, I believe he was friends, I, I, I presume, from earlier in his life with some prominent Houstonians, Zilkas, I believe. Yeah, lots of famous people have actually died. <laughs> People come from all over the world for desperation cures. Yes. So a very famous uh, Arabic poet, Darwish, died there just about two years ago. He spoke, probably his last public appearances he addressed, I don't remember the name of it, but some an atheist society. Yes, Dawkins was in town, I think. Uh, uh, he won some kind of right. award. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of lost the thread of my thought. Oh, oh, the, oh, the uh, industry. So uh, really it would be energy, medical, and uh, space. Now, is that reflected at all in the fiction that's written? No, uh, the fiction is more kind of, I would say, down home. Some of the nonfiction deals with that. Oh, I also, I left out uh, a well-known local writer, uh, Thomas Thompson, who wrote the book uh, Blood and Money, which is the most famous book. Sort of a nonfiction crime book that was a, a sensation in the 70s. Probably the best known of the, any book that's really set in Houston. Sort of an amazing true story of murder among the elites here. A Father's Revenge. It's, it's actually pretty fascinating. Well, it's funny you should mention that the first thing that sprung into my mind was the, the TV show Dallas when right. you said that. And we've always said here that it should have been named Houston, because Houston's more of the oil town than Dallas is. What about some of the pieces that you've selected? Perhaps you could talk a little bit about what you've chosen and, and why you chose it. Well, there was two things I was trying to do. I was looking for high-quality, well-written pieces. I was looking for things that told a story as much as possible. But I was also looking for big names, like did you know that an armor mailer had something, right? Did he? Yeah. Short story? Or? No, it was an excerpt. This is part of how I, I went about collecting the book. I was, would say to myself, well, you know, Norman Mailer wrote a book about the first moon launch, the Apollo 11, and so I bet there's something in that book about Houston, right. stands to reason. So I just went and kind of went thumb through it and looked for a scene that I wanted to use and pulled it out, yes. Who else have you got in the book? Um, let's see. Well, it starts off uh, with Cabeza de Vaca, 
was a Spanish conquistador who shipwrecked over here at Galveston in the 1500s and wandered in this area, then wrote his memoirs later on. Then I have a piece about Howard Hughes, not written by him, obviously. And I have a piece by Robert Caro, who's writing the series of biographies about Linda Johnson's early days. I have a piece, a memoir from Walter Cronkite. He grew up here. Oh, did he? Okay. And he got his journalistic start at the local. He tells actually a very colorful story of like 1930s style newspaper journalism and shenanigans. Barbara Jordan, who's a well-known political figure, grew up here. There's a piece about the Menils. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, they put together a, a fabulous collection of right. surrealism and, and other... And it's supposed to be a major biography of Dominic de Menil in the works. And I had heard that, that she had had a relationship with the founder of Brazo's bookstore. He worked for her. He was sort of a, a protege. And then I have a piece is about Willie Nelson and about Lightning Hopkins. A visit to Houston in the 1920s from satirical political writer H.L. Minken. Simone de Beauvoir actually dropped by. Attended a wrestling match in downtown Houston. Was not impressed. A piece by Norman Mailer, a piece by Jan Morris. It's actually pretty wonderful, that one. She's the renowned uh, right. travel writer. She went to the Ship Channel. She was very bored by the city of Houston. Yeah, she's, she's pretty uh, scathing about North American, many North American cities. So she sort of, in almost a desperation, went out to the Houston Ship Channel. She thought, well, the only thing that happens here is that people do things. Similar to your conclusion. Right, I, I probably lifted it from her. Let's see, where is it? But she went out to the Ship Channel, and she actually wound up calling the Houston Ship Channel. And as you sit out there, you know, the ships are going by down the Ship Channel. So it's an extraordinary sight. There's these industrial complexes all around, and you have this battleground in the middle of it. And she's watching the ship sail into the port. She says, this is really one of the most significant sites of modern travel. So we're pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. There's saving grace there. Right, right. And so, what, can you replicate that experience today? You can. And what do you do? Just go out there? Go out to, go out to the San Jacinto Monument. The which? The San Jacinto Monument. That's where the battlefield was. It's on the southeast side of town, 15, 20 miles, I would say. And, it, and it's on the coast? It's not on the coast, but there's a lot of water. There's, there's a river that runs by it. And then the ship channel, like a couple of major streams kind of come together there. Okay. If you go up to the top of the monument and look around, it's just so watery. You really can't believe it. What was so interesting about doing that? I think she was just sort of so impressed by, well, you have to read what she said. I have to, <laughs> yeah. But I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone who visits here and they want to go do that. Mm -hmm. I think it was just sort of, she seemed very taken with this on the raw power of Houston in a way, the industrial power. Okay. When she came here, the locals like wanted her to go to the theater and so on, yeah. and the museums, and she was like, I've, you know, I've seen all that. So this seemed to be something that she felt like she hadn't seen before. There is a very impressive symphony here. Right. There's a very impressive fine arts museum here. Right. The symphony's probably from the 1920s, I guess. In fact, there's a piece in here on the founding of the symphony. It's actually very funny. Who was that by? A local writer named uh, Hubert Roussel, who was, he, he was like one of the wonderful finds, I thought. He's not well-known at all anymore. Wrote for local publications and then became a newspaper editor. But he was very witty, very arch-toned. Approving of people are laughing at them at the same time. So there's been a symphony, I would say, since probably the late 20s. The opera is probably about 60 years old. Ballet's, I think, 40 or 50 years old. And the Fine Arts Museum is... Muse the museum goes back to the 20s or 30s, I'm not sure. You know, in Houston, the, the elites, the people that made all the oil money, they immediately started investing it in... 
cultural institution. There is a history of that then. But it's, it's a very strong one. But it's funny, you, there, there's that, but there isn't the investment in the historical preservation. There were a couple of elite families that tried actually to create a Paris on the bayou, <laughs> but they weren't able to pull it off. <laughs> And what did they try to do? Uh, beautification, planning. I mean, there are some areas of Houston that are very beautiful and planned. Yes. Uh, and there are a lot of them that are not. It's a beautiful tree. Those are... Or the trees. Those are white oaks, are they? Live oaks. Oh, okay. Because right. they're the ones that stretch right, across right, the, right. The, the streets. Right. But uh, a lot of those were planted because of one of these persons I'm talking about. As far as these different authors that you've chosen, is there one particular uh, piece that gives the best sense of what or who Houston is? There's a piece that was written about Houston in the 1830s when it was the capital of the Republic of Texas and it was just a very thrown together kind of little city, very quickly constructed. Unbelievably miserable sounding. Laugh out loud, dark humor, misery as they try to set up the national government of Texas here and then the author goes on to point out that the city has developed quite a bit but at the same time it does kind of suffer from the ills of lack of planning that the early city showed. In some ways, that kind of put the idea in my head that for some reason, this, as you probably know, Houston's the only city in North America. I, I don't know how many cities in the whole world actually don't have zoning. And you can't necessarily tell it. But what do you mean by that exactly? There's no zoning here. There's no, you can't build a, there's a few regulations, but there's... You can pretty well put anything you want anywhere. Right, pretty well. Now, as it turns out, that doesn't mean Houston is freakishly different from other cities. People generally do what other people do. But there are a few places where you see things that are surprising. Right, right. <laughs> you mentioned Simone de Beauvoir. I'm interested in her reflections on the city. But also, if there are any other internationally famed, famous authors that may have reflected on the town. She was uh, on a trip around the country uh, after World War II. Almost the earlier version of On the Road except it's done in buses, except rather than hitchhiking. I believe she came over to visit uh, Nelson Algren, who was her lover, one of her lovers, in Chicago, and she stayed with him a while. Then she just took off on buses riding around the country and giving lectures at French departments. She came here and gave a lecture at Rice. She was very uh, put off by the uh, overt racism of the time. That's interesting, isn't it? Because, because France and Paris was very, very open-minded about in fact, many of the black musicians right. went right. and dancers right. went to Paris because there was they were treated as equals, right. if, if not if not revered. Right. Yeah. So she, I think, wasn't expecting too much in Houston, being a southern city, and I think she probably found what she was looking for. The one, although there's a couple of nicer passages where she talks about southern food, and she like it, it makes me laugh though to think that they couldn't figure out where to take her. They took her to a wrestling match in downtown Houston. <laughs> She was uh, sort of appalled by this. She closes by saying, I'll go to sleep with no regrets. I don't think that any of Houston's seductions remained hidden from me. You know, the, the fun of a book like this is there's, there probably are quite a few put-downs out right. there yeah. in the city. Sure. The Norman Mailer also came to town to work on his book about uh, Apollo 11, and he was friends with the Menils, actually. John Menil, de Menil, had actually appeared in some of his experimental movies. There's a scene in the book where he, the rockets have launched, so now there's people are just waiting for them to get to the moon. So he comes to a dinner party at the Menil house, and it's very interesting, actually. Talks about the party itself and some of their art, and it becomes very cosmic. Finally then, why should someone who's coming to, to Houston pick up your book and read it? Well, I think there's really not that much out there that I would say creates a, 
a portrait of the city, in, in words at least. Uh, in fact, I can't really think of anything else. It's one reason I did this book. Yeah. And, and people, so Houstonians said to me they were so thrilled to see everything put together into one, one place and kind of show how multifaceted and how many different angles the city has to it. And really, you know, how much uh, has happened here and how, how dramatic, uh, you know, life doesn't look very dramatic at this moment, but yeah. there's a really, there's, like, like in every city, of course. I'm not yeah. saying there's anything unique to Houston about that, but maybe almost any large city, if you really boil it down, you'll come up with something. But I think, I mean, it's not like a place like New York at all, where you walk down the street and you feel New York, and you get it. You can't help but get it. Houston is not like that. My book does a lot with Houston history, which, as I've been saying, gets neglected generally. I think you'll have a, just a, a more realistic picture of what, the, what a complex and sort of interesting city it is. It took me at least five years to think that Houston was interesting, but then I did. There are places in the city that someone could go to that would connect with what you've written. You know, that is an interesting and a sort of a painful question for Houstonian because one of the things I talk about in here and that other writers talk about is that Houston does not have like a sense of place or like sort of sacred little corners. That's part of our problem with historical preservation. You know, I would have looked up Howard Hughes's boyhood home, but now it's buried under the new basketball arena. It's Things like they demolished it, right? And so you have to kind of carry it in your mind. <laughs> of course, there are instit- places like the Mill Collection. There are plenty of wonderful institutions. Great. Well, thanks yeah. for talking to us about uh, the city and, and what you've done to help others uh, understand it. Well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. I enjoyed it. I've been speaking with David Tice, who is a writer, teacher, the author of Literary Houston, published by uh, TCU Press out of Fort Worth, Texas. What are you working on now? I'm working on a novel. Based in Houston? <laughs> Houston and Mexico City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to put those two things together. I'm not sure if I'll make it, but I'm trying. Great. Well, we look forward to that. Oh, thank you.